Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Cannon. Welcome to Police Off the Cuff. We have a special edition today because of the bombing in Nashville. And I have a very special guest with me, retired New York City first grade detective Bill Ryan, who worked for the Austin and Explosion Squad. Currently, he has a, uh, a private investigator company called the Ryan Investigative Group. Anyway, one of the things we uh, want to take a look at is, of course, the bombing in Nashville. And there's a, a few facts that we know. Uh, the RV is, a very, of course, a very important part of this puzzle. And the RV was parked in a location on, uh, a, I believe it was Park Avenue in um, Nashville at 0122 hours that, on Christmas Day. At 0530 hours, gunfire emanated from the vicinity of the RV, which sort of alerted a lot of the people. Around that time also, a recording came from the vicinity of the RV telling people to get out of the buildings. To the credit of the Nashville police, they evacuated the immediate area uh, surrounding that RV, probably saved dozens of lives by those actions. And then we know at 0630, the blast occurred. And the blast caused a great deal of damage. And that's where we lie right now with the investigation. Now I'd like to introduce Bill Ryan, a former NYPD first grade detective from the Austin and Explosion Squad. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bill. Good morning. Now, one of the things that your expertise brings into this is we'd be looking at, obviously, the number one piece of evidence is going to be the RV. But now we know that's all in pieces because it exploded. But how about the forensic signature of the bomb? Could you tell us anything about that? Well, uh, let me just speak quickly about the RV. I mean, the RV is in a lot of pieces, but uh, much like we had in the 93 Trade Center bombing, where the van that uh, the terrorists used to, to blow the building up, uh, it's, it's blown up into parts, but you can still reassemble it even if it's in pieces and, and find things like we did with the 93 bombing, we're finding the VIN. So even though it's it's blown up and there's a big mess there, you know, you're still able to go in there and, and, and it's like a big puzzle. You take all the pieces out, you dump it out and you just put it all back together. I'm not saying it's easy and it's time consuming, but you can do that. Well, Bill, for our um, listeners, not everyone knows the VIN is the vehicle identification number. It's on the front dashboard area of the car. It's on a bunch of other places in the car, but that's yeah, and the basically the, the identification of the vehicle without the license plates on it. And we'll, that'll enable you to get a history on the vehicle. Right. I mean, that's that's how we uh, put the first big dents and made the first arrest of the 93 Trade Center bombing, where finding the van, they found it was a van that was to a commercial rental place. And uh, believe it or not, the bad guys went back to pick up their deposit and uh, called the... Uh, the owner and said, hey, the uh, rental company said, hey, our, our van was stolen. We're coming back to get our $200 deposit or whatever it was. <laughs> Don't you and love the, the fact that Ben yeah. does it, not the, the brightest huh? bulbs in the, you know. <laughs> well, that, that was it. And so when they when they showed up to pick up their deposit, they, uh, they got a little bit more than they were bargaining for. But that's how the first two arrests were made in the Trade Center bombing. And again, that came from just putting the, the, the vehicle back together again. And again, it took a lot of people. It was, you know, the FBI people, the ATF National Response Team, but it was from uh, NYPD Organized Crime Control Bureau, the uh, the uh, 
auto crime people, the auto crime task force people. You right. know, that, that's the great thing about being in a big department like the NYPD. We've got so many specialists in house. But Bill, let's get back to, to the RV here. First of all, there's a, an investigation of where was this ATV or this RV? Where was this prior to it getting to that location at 0122 hours? Does the RV have an easy pass? Have they checked? And I'm, I'm just being devil's advocate. Of course they have checked um, video cameras in the vicinity at toll booths, at major highways, at uh, stop signs, maybe even red light cameras. You know, where was this RV prior to it being parked at 0122 hours? And then again, you know, who is it registered to? You never know. It could just like the stupidity of the 93 World Trade Center bombers going back to the rental place and trying to get their deposit back. Someone may be stupid enough to actually use their own personal RV to commit a crime like this. That or they'll, you know, they'll do it and they'll say, oh, it was stolen. You know, I mean, right. you know, as specialized as these investigations get to, a lot of it comes back to, you know, basic gumshoe police work. You know, oh, my uh -huh. car was stolen. Oh, you know, and you're uh, like, like you mentioned, you know, you're going to check for things like easy passes and license plates. I think they, they are going to do what they can to put that together. Uh, they're going to be pulling up all the video like you would in a regular investigation. When did this, this car is, get this here? This is on our screen right now. It's showing the glass. Wow. Investigators say they discovered what they believe are human remains near the blast site. Mola Lange begins our coverage from downtown Nashville. Mola, good morning. Well, good morning, Tarika. Police have not yet been able to determine if those human remains belong to someone who's actually in the RV or perhaps just a passerby. But here in Nashville, that explosion has rattled more than just these city buildings. The quiet of Christmas morning shattered just after 6.30, a chilling message blaring from the RV seconds before it exploded. The blast could be felt miles away. It shattered windows, shook buildings, and sent a tower of black smoke high above downtown Nashville. We do believe that the explosion was an intentional act. Police were initially called to the scene to investigate a report of gunfire, but when they arrived, they encountered the RV, warning anyone nearby to evacuate. Officers, upon hearing that, decided to evacuate the buildings uh, nearby. So they uh, began knocking on doors, making announcements, having a, a emergency communications, communicate with everyone to get people uh, safe. One tourist was in her hotel room a half mile away when the explosion happened. We were sitting in bed and we thought it was a thunder, real long roll, and then the window started shaking. So we figured, well, that's not thunder. Police have released this photo of the RV, which was parked near an AT&T transmission building. The blast caused communications outages and forced flights at Nashville's airport to be grounded. But so far, there is no known motive and no suspect. Overnight, the usually bustling streets of Music City were deserted. Mayor John Cooper declaring a state of civil emergency and enacting a curfew through Sunday. As the investigation here begins, Cooper says it's also time to heal. We well, as you could see, that was a major, major blast. Yeah, and we look at the size of that at RV. I mean, you know, I'm sure the brim. And, you know, it's an interesting choice for a vehicle because, uh, 
a lot of times when you go through bridges and tunnels or a lot of areas, you know, they tend to stop and search commercial vehicles, you know, the trucks, box trucks, vans, you know, something like it's an RV, it's a touristy area, maybe they think it's somebody coming in. So that I don't, I'm not saying that was part of their thought, but it might have been thought of the uh, part of the thought process of the uh, the bombers. And again, I say bombers because I, I doubt this was one person. I'm sure this was uh, several people. Well, Bill, let, let me ask you one thing. From the power and the devastation that this blast created, is that also part of the forensic signature that's left by this uh, explosive device as compared to, say, an IED or um, uh, what's the, the, the Boston bombers used one of those um, well, the Boston bombers were making more uh, anti-personnel bombs. They, I don't want to get too much into it, but it was a pressure cooker that they right, a pressure cooker. used was the BBs and, and, and things like that. And again, I don't want to speak too much to how they did it because I don't want anyone to... No, uh, but the, the thing is, the, the signature of the bomb also includes its, its power and explosive uh, power, doesn't it? It certainly does. And when they, you design something like the Boston bomber, that, that's an anti-personnel. Uh, that's meant to take out people and create a lot of shrapnel, where something like what we have in NASA, I'm sorry, Nashville, um, you know, clearly that was meant to do uh, larger damage than that. I don't know uh, what the closest building is, but I mean, you can see from this that it's near AT&T, it's affected the cell phone service, it's affected areas for the uh, local airports. I mean, it, you know, I, again, we don't know what the motive was, we don't know what the target was. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not totally convinced that it wasn't something to try to lure police in. Uh, but again, there's, there's probably a lot going on in that town, you know, because I'm not from Nashville. Uh, I'm sure the Nashville police will say, hey, this is what's going on in that building. Uh, these are some of the targets. But I mean, think about for, for terrorism, you knock out things like cell phone towers or that kind of cell phone service. Look, look at all the damage it did in that area. And it did it for miles. I mean, well, I heard there, you know, Bill, there, was some, there was some speculation that whoever the bomber or bombers are, didn't intend for there to be a great loss of human life. But that's speculative because you see the devastation and you can't, you know, strategically or surgically mean for a bomb not to kill people because that certainly had the power to kill dozens, and, or, you know, 20, 30 people easily. You know, it, it, uh, an arson, a bombing is an arson, and you, you can't control how, how these things go. And, uh, you know, you, the, the, the blast from the explosion weakens the building. It'll knock buildings down, sets off pacemakers. I mean, there's, you know, there's so much a, a bomb actually does in its wake. And, uh, you know, to, to, to just think that uh, they were saying this to clear out the area, I mean, you know, they're, they're saying they want to clear out the area and, and you know, maybe that was their intent. Again, I, I, I can't say what the bombers were doing, but it's also, uh, we've seen this with bombers before where they, they do this because they want to draw in all the first responders. They want to get the cops and the fire department and the ambulances in there. And then the, the real bomb goes off. You know, the, 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 they may have one bomb set up there, uh, the RV, and they may have had a secondary device somewhere else in the perimeter, knowing that's where the responders are going to come. And uh, that, that's a fairly common uh, terroristic tactic to have a secondary device to do that. I know that they, uh, the uh, Nashville police were out there with canines, everything, and doing a sweep of the area to try to find secondary devices. But uh, even when the bomb goes off, you know, you always have to appreciate when you're in that area searching for victims, you're also searching for other explosives devices. 
Um, these are all, you know, even though this is a big van and it's a big device, it's still uh, an improvised explosive device, an IED, you know, whether it's a, a small pipe bomb or a big truck, it just goes to uh, the amount of damage and the capacity it could do. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the signatures in this. And I think one of the things that uh, you're going to see a lot of doing, I don't know if they're, they're showing this on the scene, but the uh, ATF uh, National Response Team, the FBI Evidence Team, they're going to be going in there. They're going to be swabbing down the area, looking for uh, residue to try to identify what was the composition of this device. Uh, they're going to be looking at the victims, you know, what's on their bodies, because uh, it'll give possibly clues to uh, what was used in that. They're also going to look for things like, uh, you know, what type of vessel was it contained in? You know, uh, was it was it barrels? Was it uh, boxes? What was it? Um, you know, you'll go in and you'll see the area of the most damage, the area of the uh, less damaged, and you know, it, it's it's a big job. They're, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're going to know the what long before they know the who. Well, in in the Oklahoma City bomb, which was wow, a long time the ago, building, yeah. they loaded a uh, a U-Haul with, with manure, right? Um, it was uh, diesel fuel and uh, and and fertilizer. Fertilize. Fertilize. Was, right. But uh, you know, it it doesn't take a lot to make these things. And uh, but that got, like, obviously that are, was a huge, huge blast, Oklahoma yeah. City, much larger than this. It certainly so was. Could we and discount it, something like that in a blast of this nature? You know, a lot of it depends on, on how good the bomb makers are. You know, I mean, you, you look at the guys who, who did the uh, the Trade Center, you know, they had a, uh, a van full of stuff and they, they did a lot of damage, but the structure was was tough. Um, the Murrow building, you know, they were able to get very close to it. Um, and they were able to take out a lot of people very quickly. I, I don't think this was as big as, as the uh, bomb that did the Murrow building, but, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the size, it has to be uh, what, what the composition is, what did they do to hold it together? When, you know, when, when the bomb, uh, how long you contain the blast when you're setting it off, that's how it builds up the energy. So uh, it depends on how good the makers were. I mean, the guys that did Murrow were former military guys. Uh, they had some experience and, you know, again, it doesn't take a lot to, to put these things together. And, uh, you know, what was their intent? Did they, you know, the guys in the Murrow building were doing it to get even with Waco and they, they wanted to take out a government target. Right. What were the motivations of the guys in Nashville? Did they want to kill cops? Did they want to knock out cell phone service? Do they just want to create? Uh... Well, Bill, you mentioned before, and, and it's, you can't uh, undervalue this, is, is the value of just regular everyday gumshoe work. And of course, the lead investigative agency in this is the FBI, the ATF. Then you have local and state. And sometimes local is the most valuable because they know the neighborhood and they know what's going on. They know maybe there could have been some kind of beef in that building uh, that the, the, the RV was parked in front of. They know the community. They know people to talk to. People in the community will come, come forward to the local police and say, look, I saw this last night and I thought it was a little strange and this is what I saw. Old fashioned, uh, you know, as you said, gumshoe work, and you can't uh, undervalue that it's so so important. It, it's it's critically important, especially when you talk about access to things like confidential informants. Uh, you know, access to guys out there who are on parole, probation. You know, these are all guys that you're out there questioning, squeezing. Hey, who knew about this? Who knew about this? Um, 
you know, those kind of resources are important. That's why in most major cities, including Nashville, you know, you have a joint federal and local task force, like we have in New York City, the Joint Terrorist Task Force, because you need both sides of that. Um, you know, one side complements the other. It's the Fed show, but, you know, it, you know, like I always say, it's, it's your show, but it's our city, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I, I always had a great relationship with, with the ATF and the FBI. They're super professional and uh, they're, they're doing a great job. There's nobody better at uh, doing this right now. I'm happy that they're there. Well, is there a chance that they've seen a bomb like this before? Well, you know, there's, there's all kinds of databases that people in law enforcement, the FBI, everybody uses uh, to kind of track, you know, the different types of bombs you have. Um, I, I think once, you know, I, I could be a little bit more specific about it if I, I knew what we had with the bomb there. But, uh, you know, we keep track of who makes what and, and how it's made. Um, even if we don't solve the case, we can say, well, you know, we've got this type of a device. Uh, we had that type of a device. Most of the bombs that, that you encounter, uh, certainly that I encountered in New York, you know, they, they were just generic pipe bombs. There was pipes, live near the blast site. Uh, metal pipes, or moments after uh, explosion. DDC pipes. Uh, occasionally, you'd get. Boy, shot this Capturing uh, windows. People would get when, when they were in the military and somehow managed to. Mixture. Get them back to their civilian life. Destroyed. But um, there really weren't that many, you know, along a few blocks on 2nd Avenue uh, North, shattered glass, smashed bricks, burned out cars. Heavy structural damage to multiple buildings. It happened around 6.30 Friday morning. Police called to the area for reports of shots fired shortly before the blast. I've also responded. They encountered an RV that had a recording uh, saying that a potential bomb would detonate uh, within 15 minutes. Officers, upon hearing that. So you could see they, they said that this bomb did structural damage to the building, which implies that it's a really powerful blast. It, it certainly is, but it also, you know, how much structural damage is it? You know, I mean, if you set off these things, you're going to get glass damage, you know, brick and mortar damage. I mean, it, it's, you know, the, the buildings that are right in front of the bomb, they're, they're certainly going to have that kind of damage. Um, and as the bomb energy spreads out, it lessens it. But, um, you know, the areas that are closest to the explosion, the, what we call the seat of the explosion, that that's where you're always going to find the most damage. Even in the Trade Center, you know, the, the, the B levels of the place took most of the damage, you know, but there was still uh, glass and, and steel damage to the exterior of the building. Um, but when you look at Murrow in, in Oklahoma City, you know, I mean, it, it just took out the whole side of the building. Um, again, it depends on how close the, the vehicle gets to it, depends on what they used. Um, you know, and, and the skill of the bomb makers, you know, the guys who did Murrow, I, I think uh, were, were a little bit better at, at better bomb makers. Um, you know, the guys who did the Trade Center, I, I think they, they made a a hell of a bomb, but they, you know, you just can't drive it in the building and hope to go off. When you knock a building down with explosives, you'll get a site, you know, they, they have it so that the, the weight of the building collapses on itself and knocks it down. Right. You know, the, the idea when you're doing it that way is for it to fall down. When the bombers are doing it for criminal purposes, they want it to go out and up and, uh, you know, to affect the most damage they can. So, um, 
you know, I, I, I think these guys are, are pretty comfortable what they're doing, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some kind of uh, serious training, whether they were military or what. Um, not necessarily our military. It could be, you know, any number of militaries out there. But um, again, you know, it, it's not all that difficult to make bombs. I mean, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, you see it a lot in movies and in TV shows where they show you some of the basics. And uh, Well, Bill, let me ask you another thing that... Uh... What is the significance? And I incorrectly said before the address of the location, the correct address was outside 166 Second Avenue North in the heart of Nashville. What is the significance that of the fact that this RV and this bomb went off in Nashville? I mean, we, we hear about um, geographical profiling. And one of the things that, that does mean is that the perpetrator is very familiar with this area. Absolutely. Maybe he has something against this area. He's, you know, he did, probably didn't drive from California to, to do this crime. He's, he is uh, familiar with the area and he has some kind of connection with the area. Sure. I, I think you'll find too, uh, long down the road with the, the investigation, you're going to find that they did a decent amount of surveillance on the area, you know, who's here at what time. You know, do we have a lot of foot traffic? Do we have the guys walking their dogs? Do we have the food trucks making delivery? And again, with, with, with other bombings we've had, like the 93 bombing, you know, you, you found videotapes where, uh, you know, the bad guys were, were spending time going through bridges and tunnels and videotaping things and doing a lot of counter surveillance and surveillance on the area. So I'm, I'm sure these guys are very comfortable in the area. I'm sure they know where they're going, especially too, if you're getting stopped by the police you know, uh, even just for our basic traffic stop, your light, your light is out. You know, you want to have a local license. You want to be able to say, I'm going, you know, down Main Street. Uh, you know, if you if you get stopped and you start giving answers like you don't know where you are, you're more likely to raise the suspicion of the investigating officer. So, well, Timothy, it, McVeigh, Timothy McVeigh was arrested during a car stop. Yeah. And he was one of the Oklahoma bombers and he was actually armed with a 357 Magnum. He was. And uh, I think the trooper, I, think, I believe it was an Oklahoma State trooper, thank God, got to jump on him instead of the other way around. Yeah, thank God. But, uh, you know, again, it goes back to the gumshoe stuff. A lot of times it's, it's, it's these little things that the local guys do, like that, that sheriff uh, or that trooper. I think it was a trooper. I don't think it was a sheriff uh, who got McVeigh. But, uh, you, you know, I, I think these guys are probably very comfortable with the area. I think that they know what they're doing. Um, and you ask about what the significance of Nashville. I mean, you know, Nashville's a major city. I mean, it's, you know, Music City, USA. I mean, you know, uh, country music is, is the biggest selling music in the world. And uh, it's it's got a national place to be. I mean, it's it's a national uh, platform. You, you know, you want to attack, you know, as much as they, you know, why New York's a big favorite target is because it's the media capital of the world. You know, they, if you do something in an area where, you know, Okie Finoki, who cares as much, you know, I mean, not to minimize... Right. The deaths and the injuries, but you know they want to get their message out there, so they want to do it in a place like you know New York, as we've seen, or now in Nashville because it's a national stage, you know. And uh, no, Bill, you you mentioned before the three persons that were injured and that their bodies actually are a separate crime scene. They are, and, uh, and you, you want, to, you want to touch them. upon that a bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that you have to look at, even as your uh, the things we tell our, our first responders, is that. Uh, these people you're taking out of the scene, you know, they may have an obvious injury like a cut or, 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 or you know, some other injury. Um, 
But if they're coming out of that that bombing scene, you know, their their body may be a crime scene. Their clothing may be a crime scene. You know, we've we've taken pieces of of, of devices embedded out of people's bodies. We've taken samples of uh, the uh, explosive mixtures from their clothing. Um, you know, and, and you have to treat that body like a crime scene. You also have to consider that if you've got somebody injured at the scene, they may be your bomber or they may be one of your bombers. Um, my, my, my first arrest the person explosion was a guy that ended up uh, making bombs in Queens. I won't talk too much about it, but he blew himself up. And uh, you, know, you get called to the scene, oh, a guy got hurt with a bomb and he was the bomb maker. Um, you know, or it's the guy that planted the bomb or uh, and now they're talking about they have DNA at the scene. And uh, I don't think Chief Drake was was uh, committing one way or the other to uh, whether it was inside the vehicle or outside. But, you know, you've clearly got some kind of body part, DNA, blood, hair, whatever they have. Uh, and that's going to be significant. That's, you know, I, I would say that that's more likely than not going to be uh, somebody that, that uh, was your bomber. I mean, it certainly could be the poor soul who was walking his dog that morning or, you know, going to get well, a well, that's, an, that's another thing that people that aren't in the police business don't realize is that the police have to be very aware of possible reports of missing persons. Absolutely. They, they, in fact, could be missing because of this incident, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the many things that the local guys are going to do is they're going to be going over missing persons reports. Hey, you know, who's who's been missing? Who's not, you know, come home? Who hasn't, you know, and it's tough when you add that this is a this is over a holiday weekend. It's Christmas weekend. People are traveling a little less because of COVID. But, you know, um, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to account for everybody. Are they in the city? I remember, uh, you know, I, I think this was 92 where we had a, uh, it wasn't a bombing, but it was a, one of the projects up in Harlem. Uh, there was an explosion. It was, was an accidental explosion. But I think everybody in the community had gone to uh, like some bus trip to Atlantic City. So we had, you know, I think a hundred people that lived in these buildings that we couldn't account for because we couldn't say who was missing and who was in Atlantic city and chasing that all down. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was a long night and checking the injuries and the bodies in, in Harlem morgue. I mean, it was, you know, it was just a nightmare and that that's an advantage that the bad guys have because, you know, they know that, you know, the resources are a little thinned out over the holidays, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that that was part of their decision. It's also, you know, the fact that they make sure they, they're doing this early in the morning. I mean, when they did the Murrow building in Oklahoma City, you know, they did it on a, I think it was a Monday at nine o'clock in the morning where, you know, uh, you know, the people coming to work in the building and the people, the commuters, everyone are going to be there. I think the guys who set this off, uh, you know, Christmas Day, you know, you probably have less people on the street, 630 in the morning, probably less people walking around. Was that part of their their thought process? I mean, I... I always think that all of this is part of their thought process. We just haven't figured out what that that, that goal is or what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but you can't discount any of it. Um, you well, know, you know I, pe people always want to know the why, you know, why did, did they do that? And the whole thing is right now is that I think in this country, we're very spoiled by the excellence of law enforcement. Uh, includes the FBI, absolutely. ATF local law enforcement was spoiled because already we're like, oh, no arrest yet. You know, it's been, I don't know if it's been 24 hours, right? And people expect you know, immediate results, you know? You know, it's funny. Um, and I, I, I sound like a broken record going back to 93 again, but, you know, 
apprehensions were made so quickly uh, that, uh, you know, with the first two guys going back with the van, you know, I mean, it be, kind of became a thing where uh, I can't tell you how many times I had people, you know, in the community, well, you, you caught those guys in a couple of days. Why can't you, you know? Right. Like some, sometimes I get them that day. And sometimes, you know, I've, unfortunately, some, some I've never gotten, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, there are the ones to get away. But uh, well, I'm, I'm almost I mean, I'm almost sure that the FBI uh, and the local law enforcement ATF, they'll, they'll bring a positive conclusion to, to the investigation. Oh, I'm confident of it. You know, and uh, we uh, take our hats off to, uh, you know, national law enforcement, local law enforcement, ATF, FBI. Uh, Absolutely. The Nashville police, uh, you know, and state and local. And because uh, as Americans, we expect excellence from our law enforcement. And 99% of the time they deliver, you know. Bill, I want to thank you so much for My coming pleasure. on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. People love the fact that, uh, you know, you worked the 93 World Trade Center bombing. That sort of gives you instant credibility, right? Not just the, uh, also the fact that you are a retired NYPD first grade arson and explosion squad detective. And you have now have your own uh, investigative, uh, private investigative company called the Ryan Investigative Group. And... Uh, we want to wish you great success in thank the you. future. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff. And this was a special edition of Real Crime Stories. Thank you so much for listening.